0: Was that a, okay, we're good, we're on? Is that right? Okay. All right, if you would please turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 24. I'll be reading Acts chapter 24, verses 24 through 27. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Blessed and inspired by God the Holy Spirit is the word that we read. Let's go to prayer. So, Father, help us. Help us feel our brother Paul and his circumstances. For we can relate. Help us be those who trust in your holy written word. Truth promises in the midst of life's baffling circumstances. In it all, Lord, continue to grow us as worshipers. Those who delight to come to your presence together on Sunday alone on Tuesday you're our portion forever help me therefore unfold strange workings of your will in our lives to the glory of Jesus and to the sustenance of our souls, and the perseverance of our faith. Amen and amen. Uh, I'm returning to this same passage we were in last week, but I'm doing it in order to see another aspect of it that's very relevant to every Christian's life experience. So, Jump down to the end, verse twenty-seven. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. All right, let's. Just slow down and try, try to f- feel it. Paul's ushered out of Jerusalem for his safety. He's sent 50 miles away to Caesarea to Felix, the governor. so said the Jews don't kill him. He has that short little hearing, that trial. Felix, Drusula, want to hang out with him and listen to What he's got to say. There's Paul. Three months later, he's still stuck in jail. Another month goes by, three months go by, four, another six months go by, he's still in jail. I can hear him praying. All right, God, I'm ready. I'm itching to get out of here and get to Rome and from there go to Spain. Preach the gospel. Win people to the Lord. I'm ready. And God's response, silence. Another three months, six months, nine, another year after that, goes by, and there he sits. Another month, and another month, and another month after that. And he's stuck in a jail in Caesarea. Why? On one level, the answer is in the text. On one level, the reason why is because of a selfish, godless scumbag named Antonius Felix, the governor of Judea. That's why. Finally, after two years sitting in prison, the governor Felix is being replaced. Paul gets wind of it. Maybe he starts to think to himself, okay, surely Felix is going to release me now. In this situation, he didn't get his bride, but he likes me. We get along. He knows I'm innocent. He knows I'm no threat to Rome. I'm going to get out. Paul reflects upon these two long years stuck in jail and what he's already missed on the mission field for two years, which is the purpose of his life as an apostle, to go to unreached peoples to the Gentiles. But now it looks like he's finally going to get out. You can just feel his hope rise. And a few days later, he finds out from a messenger, Paul. Felix has decided not to release you. He wants you to sit here and wait for the next governor to take charge. And Paul says, "Why?" And the answer must have hit him like a ton of bricks falling on his head. It's because Felix, he wants to kiss up to his constituency. That's why. The Jews who, who actually are the cause of you being in jail now for two years and not on the mission, feel. That's verse 27. Three weeks ago in here, we considered the doctrine of God's sovereign providence. We Christians love and we find it easy to praise God for His sovereign providence when we get into the school of our choice. Yes! When He brings that spouse that we desired to have into our lives and married when we get that job we longed for or that ministry we enjoy or that much needed vacation God you're so good but do we believe in God's strange providence as we sit in prison waiting waiting paul could feel like life opportunity is passing him by you can feel like life is passing you by as friends are getting married and you desire it and you have no prospects others are being promoted their career seemed to take off. Yours, not so much. You dreamed of reaching many more people with the gospel as a, as a preacher, like that guy on the YouTube or that missionary or that pastor and you're stuck in some Texas rural town with a congregation of 30. Did... The God who sent Paul on two missionary journeys to plant all those churches, did he now just forget about it? Did the Lord Jesus, who used Paul so mightily in planning church after church after church and city after city after city in the regions of Asia and Galatia and Macedonia and Decaea, did he fall asleep? You can almost hear Paul opening the scriptures and praying Psalm 44. Wake up, God. Why are you sleeping, O oh Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject me forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget my affliction? My oppression, for my soul is bowed down to the dust and my belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to my help, redeem me for the sake of your steadfast love. Paul sits. Anyways the preaching of the gospel in Rome is going to have to wait. The reaching of new souls in Spain will have to wait or never get done at least by Paul. He must have felt like David in Psalm 69. I'm weary With my crying out, my throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. Or Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence. But from Him comes my salvation. Just like every one of us Christians, at times Paul must have wondered, why? Why, Lord, don't you get me out of this jail? Now, what feels really strange to me about verse 27, is that his very close friend who penned it, pens it in such a way, it just feels like a passing comment. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Why didn't Luke tell us about at least some of those all-night prayer meetings that Paul and other Christians together had and petitioning the Lord to get him out of jail so he can go do missions and glorify your name that way? Luke just says, when two years had elapsed." Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left him in prison. Sometimes we feel that kind of flippant neglect of our own lives. That line there represents two long years of Paul's short life. And it just feels arbitrary. It drives Christians to pray God, are you really in control? Have I done something really bad or wrong? Do you mean to tell me I am remaining in this jail cell because of some brutal, money-grubbing politician? You ever felt like that? Now, good parents, well, not just good parents, because there's a lot of good parents, sometimes they lack wisdom. But good parents with wisdom practice child training. And so does God the Father. And He uses delays like this, He uses frustration. Why do you think He's ordained from the foundation of the world to have? David's prayers in the Bible. How long, oh Lord? Have you deserted me? Wake up. He uses those things, though, to cause his children to trust him more fully. Because in this life, the reality is this, and it was the same for Paul, a fellow sinner. None of us will ever reach full maturity of faith in this life. We'll never reach pure faith, meaning to the sense of, I have no more struggle, no more battle to trust the Lord. It will not happen. You will not arrive down here. The potential for growth in Paul's life and all of our lives is far beyond anything that is attainable in this life. Let's just go back again and just feel Paul about one year before he got to Jerusalem which essentially started this two year imprisonment. One year before that he wrote these words to the church in Rome. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem, when therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected I will leave Jerusalem to go to Spain by way of you in Rome. I know that when I come to you, I will come with the fullness of the blessing of Christ. That's Paul's intention. It's his plans. We should make plans, we should be intentional. Paul was driven to serve the Lord. And we know that his main mission of the Lord as an apostle was to go to the unreached peoples, the Gentiles, and spread the message of Christ. So now he's got his sights on Spain. That's his agenda. But it wasn't the Lord's agenda. At least not in the way Paul wanted it to happen. And clearly not in the timing of the Lord. Paul will eventually get to Rome, but as a prisoner awaiting trial before Caesar. We Historically, we just do not know whether he ever got to Spain. It's possible, but probably not. But while he sits in the jail cell here in Caesarea, 50 miles outside Jerusalem, God's working in him. Paul has to submit his plans to God. To trust God to work out his purposes in his life, God's way. Godly desires... Godly godly hopes for the future are good. We're called to faith in Christ. And those of us who are called to trust in Christ. We're meant to desire to glorify God in all kinds of differing gospel ways. So it's okay if God puts it on your heart to have hope. To have a hope and to the best you can to plan to get married and have a family one day and to raise those kids up in the ways of the Lord. That's a gospel centered hope. We should, if He lays it on our heart, hope to teach that Bible study or to start that. Christ-centered food bank or to follow a sense of the Lord's call to pastoral ministry and to prepare for it. Yes, but after all the hoping and the planning and preparing, we have to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. In my life, you are trustworthy. You are worthy of my trust. Paul's a model for all of us to trust the Lord, to trust that He is working out all things for our good because we've been called by Him and because we love Him. Right before Paul was sent to that jail cell in Caesarea, remember, Jesus appeared to him. Jesus let him know something. Oh, that must have been encouraging to him. Paul, you're not going to die. I'm going to get you to Rome. Okay, remember that part? Now, here's my shot at the text. I think Luke. So what he seems to be saying to us in this passage. That the Lord gave Paul no more information about the practicality for those two years. Right after that, we saw that Paul had to bear through that plot of the Jews to assassinate him. And he gets out of Jerusalem. And he gets there and he's got to bear through this trial with these false charges of the Jews with a superstar attorney. But Jesus evidently never mentioned to Paul, By by the way, Paul, I'm going to get you to Rome, but just relax because you're going to remain in jail in Caesarea for two long years. He didn't know that. Nor did he inform Paul that he would one day get a nice cruise ship, all expenses paid by Rome as a prisoner. But on the way, almost everybody on that ship would be killed. But none of them got killed. But they would spend a winter on an island. He didn't know what's before him any more than we do. Our lives as Christians, by God's intention, are filled with what the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Peter to all Christians. In this gospel, in, in these unimaginable, hope-filled, future promises laid up for you in heaven, then in those things you rejoice, even though now for a little while since it's necessary you have been grieved various trials for a purpose so that, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, and he gives the analogy, which is more precious than gold that, that it perishes even though gold is of course you know, heated up and the dross comes to the top you scrape it up and you keep purifying the gold it's tested by fire so is your faith by trials in God's hand why? so that your faith may be found to result in praise and honor and glory at the second coming of Jesus Christ Here's the kicker. Peter writes about his rabbi, his good friend whom he lived with and ate with before his death and after his death. But the gospel goes and the spirit works and he says this to all of these readers and to us. Though you have not seen him like I have. Though you have not seen him. You love him. Though you do not now. You will one day. Though you do not now see him. You believe in him and rejoice with joy that has no words it's inexpressible and it's filled with glory that's the christian life because through that you're obtaining the outcome of your faith which is the salvation of your souls priority Or for the great Apostle Paul. Priorities. Are huge. In our walk with Christ. And these words. Of Peter's. They are. The number one. Priority. Though you have not seen him. Think about it Christian. If your faith is genuine, you love Him. Even though you do not see Him now, you believe. You believe in Him and you rejoice with a joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory. And it is through that you are obtaining the outcome, which is the salvation of your souls. That priority of loving Christ loving the holy trinity it's up here comparatively ministry for jesus and reaching unreached peoples is down here and everything else is down here oh that they come in line but when they're prioritized, loving Jesus is up here. In other words, your main purpose in God calling you to his son is to walk and commune with God. To trust him. Cause and experience your love to grow for him. It is to seek the joy every day in your life. Seek the joy of him in the midst of all circumstances. Because if you allow that priority to drop and allow your circumstances to be those things that drive your emotional life, your decision-making part of your life, you allow your circumstances to guide your life and your hopes, then you'll be jerked around like a rope in a tug-of-war, constantly, constantly. Now, I don't think Paul was this uh, emotional roller coaster rope kind of guy, but he's a very real human being like us. And so just think of the temptations that he must have experienced over those two years. During those two years, Felix, the text says, sent for Paul often to converse. With Paul. Think about how easy it would be for Paul again and again to think, as his hope rises. Oh, maybe this is why I'm still here. Maybe this time Felix will come to faith in Jesus. Then my plight will make sense to me. Not only that, that would be a great catch for the Lord. Felix is a, is a powerful man. People know what a scumbag he is. Like I, Paul, was a scumbag. Think about his testimony. Yeah, I'll continue to meet with him. Lord, save him for two years. His hopes rise. It never happens. Or how many times in our own lives we've have interactions. The family member, a friend, a colleague, and there's a sea- season of their life, it feels like they're really interested in Christ and asking right questions, and it comes to nothing. Think about how many times Paul had these friendly discussions with Felix and Drusilla. He goes back to his cell thinking, I got a really good rapport with him. You know, I really feel like Felix is going to release me. I get back on the mission field. Three months later, he's still there. And that release by Felix never comes. But Paul cherished his communion with God. He cherished his communion of God and with God above all earthly circumstances so that he was not moved too much with his hopes. Nor is he moved too much with all the miserable stuff in his life. This this is how he speaks in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. And this was before he ended up in jail here. He wrote this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we Look not to the things that are seen. But to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient and fluxed and changing all the time. Don't place your hope in them. But we look to the things that are unseen. Because those things are eternal. No matter how hard it got, in the midst of these two years, Paul worked to keep his conscience clean and clear before God and before Felix and before his fellow Christians. For two years, Paul knew that he could play upon Felix's greed and his corruption. Raise enough money and bribe his way out of jail to line Felix's pockets immorally. He knew he could do it. Verse 26. And at the same time, Felix hoped that money would be given him by Paul. And so... Felix sent for him often and conversed with him. Now, Luke writes this later, and Luke visited Paul very often in jail. Of course, Paul told him all the different stories. Here's Luke's opinion as he put it all together after two years. Yes, Felix did call for Paul often. The reason, really, was because he hoped to get bribed by Paul. So Paul could have rationalized it. Well, look, come on, the gospel's his day. Okay, raise the money. Got a lot of means here to do it. A lot of people would love to contribute to it. Get me out of jail and get back onto the mission field and get to Spain and reach those people with the gospel. But Paul knew that doing right and not getting what you want which is to get out of jail and get back on the field. But doing right is far better than doing wrong and offending his conscience in order to do what he deemed to be a godly end. missions work. But Felix never got the bribe over those two long years. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus desiring to do the Jews a favor Felix left Paul in prison so no matter what jail cell of life circumstances you now or will in the future find yourselves in no matter how much you feel Lord Where are you? Have you abandoned me? Meditate on Psalm 121. Oh, I'm convinced Paul had committed these words to memory. Those evenings, those weeks, those months where his soul waited in silence. When he felt that maybe the Lord has fallen asleep. Quote, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Gosh, I'm so happy God has human beings write the scripture so rawly. Never think and read something like that. Of course God can't sleep. He's reaching to the heart of our experiences. And it's God constantly telling us, I know. I know what you feel. I'm speaking your language to you because I love you. I'm validating your realities. Go ahead. Go ahead boldly at the throne of grace and address me. I am not fearful. If you tell me respectfully, and I might show myself and act. And I might not yet, but come unto me, our ascended Lord says. For all you who are weary and heavy laden, I promise you I'll give you rest. I promise you that I will be there. The one who saved you, Christian, the one who loves you, who is working in you and upon you never sleeps. When we're broken, when we're caught in the net and web of our sin, Grace of repentance comes when we're in despair, when we're weary. Our God is up all night long. Attentive to everything. Here's the way Paul says it. If God is for us, Christians. Who could be against us? Again, Paul wrote that three years earlier. Is it really Felix? Is he really the problem? God can't do anything? It's not how Paul thought. Oh, he might have felt it. Don't we have our feelings come against what we know to be true at times? If God is for us, who could be against us? The answer is no one. Because he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with Jesus graciously give Us, all things. Now the problem comes how you read those words, all things. But I want that car, I want that mate, I want those children, I want that ministry. Well, you're not going to get all things. It's not the all things he's talking about. He goes on to tell you the all things, which, and his whole point is in comparison to any and everything temporal, if we saw it clearly, we would never put them in the same category. He will give you all things. Do you understand the gospel? That's what Paul saying. Either Jesus didn't rise from the dead and we're living a lie and we perish and don't exist as if we never existed or there's a future. In Christ purchased it and that's why he goes on to say for I am sure that neither death cut off short in life nor life itself nor angels nor rulers like Felix nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth anything else in all creation. None of it will be able to separate us from the love that God has for us and has promised us in the future, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he who did not spare his own son, through that very son, he will give to you. All things, even though you have not seen Jesus, as Peter did, even as Paul did, do you love him? No, 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 no. not fully, not perfectly, that is unattainable, but genuinely, you do love him, Christian, and thus you have a joy even in prison. You rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible leading to that future salvation of your souls. Oh, he's more than enough in the next trial that's coming to all of us. The small ones that are coming this week or the astronomical ones. More than enough. He's trustworthy. Ask Paul someday. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy presence. In the person of the spirit. Continue to glorify your name and your goodness. Your son. The glorious gospel in the hearts of us. Your people here. You are good.